it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running and I'm so far from my We will not go gently. Uh, we're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, hey man, he's coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Gentlemen of Steeler Nation, we welcome you to a, I guess it's a new edition of the Steelers Hangover for us. It's coming off of a loss for the first time in the 2016 regular season. The Steelers get absolutely slaughtered by the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and with me as always for this Hangover edition is my friend Brian Anthony Davis. How are you this evening, Brian? Really great, Jeff. I had a nice little Saturday the other day uh, with the Bed Bath & Beyond. 
uh, Home Depot, got the Red Dragon ready. Oh, wait a second. That was Will Ferrell in uh, Old School. No. What a happy yeah. game last night. I wish I had post-traumatic <laughs> stress disorder. And I wish I forgot and blocked out the whole thing like Willis did in a uh, – in 1975 in different strokes where he forgot the whole year because that's when his parents died. That's what I wish was happening. But this game, oh. It was bad. It was bad. There's no, there's nothing else. There's no other way around it. Uh, for those that might be a first-time listener to the show, uh, the hangover is a show devoted strictly to fans and fans especially that want to get something off their chest. Uh, the last two weeks we had our usual callers call in. Um, there wasn't too much to gripe about when you were 2-0. and However, when you lose 34 to 3 in in Philadelphia, it's not always sunny in Philadelphia, by the way. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you might have something to complain about. You can do so. Call us 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. And before we get to the callers, Brian, um, and before we even get to any of the talk really about uh, the the game and the disappointment, I wanted to take a moment out of the show to to kind of pay respects. This weekend was a very sad weekend in sports in a lot of different ways, not just sports, but I guess the Pittsburgh area and sports in general. Uh, uh, most people, I don't know if they heard or not, but I, Brian, I'll let you elaborate more on, on Bill Nunn the third passing away was the son of the legendary scout for the Pittsburgh Steelers that helped sculpt the 1970s dynasty. Uh, the Miami Marlins lost their stud 24-year-old pitcher, Jose Fernandez, in a boating accident. And then, obviously, everyone heard Sunday evening uh, golf lost what they have, everyone calls their greatest ambassador. And a big diehard Steeler fan and Pittsburgh fan grew up, born and raised, still lived in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. That's Arnold Palmer. Uh, so I just want to take a moment out of the show to kind of pay respects. Um, it was a sad weekend. The Steelers lost, did nothing to help with that. I don't know if you had anything to add to that, Brian, but... Um, I just want to say that the, as a show, as BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, we pay our respects to all those that are dealing with the loss of those individuals. Yeah, you know, uh, with Bill Nunn uh, Jr., the son of the great scout, that without without his dad, you know, you don't really see the success that you have in the 1970s, especially he's the guy who found you, Donnie Shell and John Stallworth and L.C. Greenwood and all of those guys. But his son was an actor that uh, you don't know his name, but you knew his face. Uh, and Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. He also had uh, he, he also had a big role, actually, the male lead in uh, Whoopi Goldberg's 1992 uh, hit Sister Act. Very good actor. He, uh, he lived in Pittsburgh, and he passed away in Pittsburgh at the age of 63 of cancer, just uh, a loss to – Hollywood and lost to Pittsburgh because he's a big fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jose Fernandez, just an ace. I used to hate when I saw his name um, on the, uh, as the uh, starter against Pittsburgh. Because I remember when he, he struck out 20 Pirates just two years ago at the age of 22. I mean, it just actually 21 three years ago when, when he did it. He's just an amazing pitcher. And what can you say about Arnie Palmer? Um, the guy, if you grew up in Western Pennsylvania, he was on every commercial in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Um, he was just, he was like everybody's sports grandpa. He was that guy, and he was such a class act. And we really lost a legend, one of the greatest Pittsburgh sports legends of all time. When you uh, put together a list, you don't automatically think of Artie, but he is right up there. So, uh, 
Respects to the family. Rest in peace, all three gentlemen, and Godspeed. Absolutely, and uh, we'll, we'll transition there into the actual Steelers football game. Um, you know, the the sadness continued for Steelers fans on 420, and let me just get something off my chest right off the bat. I really would like to talk with someone from CBS about the way they handled and DirecTV, Sunday Ticket, and the way they handled that football game because living in Maryland, um, I was forced, and I wasn't the only one, forced to watch overtime between the Miami Dolphins and Cleveland Browns missing almost half of the first, over half, nine minutes of the first quarter of the Steelers-Eagles game, which was a nationally televised game unless you were out of in a, in a specific market for another team, I could not believe that they stuck with the overtime game and did not go over to the Steelers game. That really, really made me mad. I pay a lot of money for the Sunday ticket, and if you noticed, at least in my house, if I tried to go to the Sunday ticket to watch it, it said the game's blacked out because it's in your local area, and yet the other local area channel was not showing the game. So that really ticked me off to start. And the, what really made me angry even more was the fact that I missed probably the best offensive drive of the game, even though it ended with a Marcus Wheaton drop touchdown and then a Chris Boswell blocked field goal. And ultimately, I look at those two things, and everyone that watched the game, that saw how things transpired, said that it was after that the series of events that it just seemed like it unraveled. And Philadelphia got the football. They went down. They, they scored points. They scored more points. Pittsburgh kept struggling. And next thing you know, a 10-point deficit felt like a 100-point deficit. You just never felt that the Steelers were ever going to be able to climb back in this game. Um, it's, there's going to be a lot to talk about, Brian, and I know we're going to get to some callers and we'll give them an opportunity to kind of voice their concern, bring up what they want to talk about. But what was your overall gist of the game uh, the day after? Well, you know what? I felt like I was doing the walk of shame today. You know, we've all done it where we don't want to look anybody in the eye. That's how dirty I felt after this game. I mean, I couldn't even look my dogs in the eye, and they're named after Steelers. You know, I just felt that crappy. I would have rather had a prostate exam. In fact, I think prostate exams are probably more pleasing than watching that game. I don't even want to – I usually like to watch it again to prep for the show, but, oh, I couldn't even sit through it. But my thoughts about this game, that game started for the Eagles and ended when Marcus Wheaton dropped that ball in the end zone. And the reason I say that is because the momentum shifted. They were running down the field. They were looking sharp. As soon as Marcus Wheaton drops the ball, the kick gets blocked. I mean, the momentum shifted to Philadelphia, and that seemed to be all she wrote. I mean, they could not recover from it, and uh, it gave – gave Philly huge underdogs hope right away, and they just ran with it. And I also feel like outplayed and outcoached in every single aspect of the game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you said something that is kind of hit home to me the other day. Uh, I was travel. I was traveling a little bit this weekend was with my not immediate family. I was talking to my father, and he said, "You know, I just the Steelers are, are heavy favorites." I was like, "Wait a second. They're not heavy favorites. I mean, they were favored on the road, giving getting giving three and a half points. Now, some would say, now I'm I'm not a gambler, but I follow those betting lines and I understand how they work. Um, that this Vegas normally gives the home team about two and a half to three points on average, and so you do the math then the three and a half plus the two and a half. You're looking at about a touchdown uh, swing or a touchdown spread. 
and ultimately the Steelers didn't come close. They scored three points, but still, and that's that's not they're not huge favorites. I think it just felt like Carson Wentz as a rookie. A lot of guys that no one really knew, especially on the defensive side. I mean, if you tried to name five players on the defensive side of the Eagles that weren't named Fletcher Cox, you'd probably struggle. And I think that now, after that win, the team's going to be taken a little bit more serious. The Philadelphia Eagles are no slouch. It's not like the Pittsburgh Steelers lost to the uh, Glennon-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Heinz Field. They're not, it's not like they lost to Michael Vick and the New York Jets. They lost to a really good team on the road. And it's a place that they have always struggled. It's been since 1965, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, um, that That's they last correct. won in Philadelphia. And the streak continues. So it's not like they lost to a bunch of slouches. And we're going to talk about this. This is your platform, folks, if you're listening live. You can call in. You can talk about the loss. You can poop and holler, yell and scream. Keep it clean, though, please. Uh, the phone number to do so is 347-850-8581. Phone lines are open. Again, that's 347-850-8581. We have a couple callers already calling in, so let's get them on the air right away. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white, so go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Details. Our first caller is our Hall of Fame caller, Vito from New Jersey. How's it going, Vito? Good evening, gentlemen. I know you guys are not too excited after uh, a game like yesterday as a fan, right? No, um, absolutely not. It was tough to follow. I have some thoughts, and maybe you could, because I was thinking about this game yesterday. I kind of shut it off in the third quarter. I said, you know what? It, it's it's getting worse and worse. There's no sense in wasting time. I was actually watching the Jet game because they still had a chance to come back and win, and they played just as poorly on that end as Pittsburgh did on this end. Um, I guess my question is, how do we go from being competitive the first two weeks to being uncompetitive the following week? I mean, how, how do we just get that bad? And then the other thing is, Marcus Wheaton drops the ball in the end zone after a six-minute drive. We know the momentum is going to shift, but man, you got three and a half quarters left. <laughs> if you go all out every play, who cares that the momentum shifts? You could always take the momentum back. So, what, what changed when that ball dropped that should cause a team to all of a sudden give up and not play as well? I mean, really? I mean, we're not playing the Denver Broncos; we're playing the Philadelphia Eagles, right? So, if we could hang with the Denver Broncos when we played them twice. The first game in in Pittsburgh and then the second game in Denver, look at how close the second game was versus the first game where we were getting blown out. And then all of a sudden we came back and we outscored them and outplayed them. So uh, I guess I'm confused because I don't know what the heck happened. But I think the excuse would be, well, the momentum changed when he dropped the ball in the end zone and they blocked the field goal. That's only the first six, seven minutes of the game. You still got three three plus quarters left. So that's not a good enough excuse. So I think as fans, we need to realize that we really have some major problems here. And the first two weeks, they played well. I mean, they played better last week in the rain than they played yesterday. And yesterday was a better day weather-wise. So I'm just confused. I really have no answers. But I think 
we can't feel sorry for the team and we can't make excuses for the team. They need to really get up and figure out what they need to do to win. They're getting paid a lot of money, so there really is no excuses. And if they're going to continue to play this way and do these things, they will lose their fan base because you see there's a lot of teams that lose their fan base when teams don't perform, especially when they're paying guys a lot of money. So that's my two cents. Well, Vito, to, to answer your questions, and I'm, you know, none of us are in the room. None of us know what's being talked about leading up to the game at halftime, the changes that are made. Um, I, I do think that if you watch the football game, it was a, a little bit of hubris came into the equation. Uh, you know, I think maybe they started reading some of the newspaper articles, the blogs that are saying this team is Super Bowl bound, this team is two and zero. How far are they going to go? The Eagles, Carson Wentz is a rookie; he's not going to be able to do much. Well, and then all of a sudden they run into a buzzsaw, you know, and so it really showed a lot to me personally how they responded to that adversity. Last year, like you mentioned, the Denver Broncos game, especially at home in the regular season where they were down at halftime, came back and won the football game. Um, We can talk a lot about a lot of different issues, and I'm not going to freak out about a loss. What you can freak out about, and I think had a lot, contributed a lot to the issues in the second half, were the ridiculous number of injuries they had to deal with. And that's not an excuse for poor performance. I think that's strictly me saying that when you take a guy like Lawrence Timmons off the field, uh, when Ryan Shazier is clearly not 100%, I think the biggest injury of all was Robert Golden at safety because then when you took Robert Golden off the field with a hamstring injury, Sean Davis then goes to safety. Then you have to bring Artie Burns in as a rookie, and you have to move your best cornerback in William Gay to the slot because Artie Burns is not a slot cornerback. And now all of a sudden, everyone is all out of alignment, everyone's out of position, and you could definitely see a huge amount of miscommunication on the defensive side of the football. Now, with that said, on the offensive side, I don't, I don't buy the excuse of injuries. There really weren't as many injuries on offense. Yes, Eli Rogers went down with a toe or a foot injury. Uh, Ramon Foster left. David DeCastro played one of his worst games as a pro, and he just got paid a huge new contract. Roethlisberger was off. Antonio Brown did a good job, and he got his yards, but no big back-breaking plays. Honestly, Vito, I think this was a very big slice of humble pie for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't see this as an omen of what can happen in the future. I think this might be a good wake-up call for the team. And like I said, I'm going to write write an article that's going to publish tomorrow, and it is basically that if you're going to hand-pick a loss on your schedule – Losing on the road to an NFC team would be one that you would pick. You don't want to lose at home, and you don't want to lose conference or divisional games. That would be this one. So if you're going to lay an egg, I feel like this is the game to do it. It's only week three. There's a lot of time left. Brian, what's your take on that? You know what? I agree completely with you, Vito. Jeff, I agree with you too, and I want to expand on what Jeff said. You know, it seems that they do believe their own hype. They have lost to, you've mentioned, Mike Lennon and the Tampa Bay Bucks. That was a game that they were supposed to go and run on over that team two years ago, and they could not do it. They lost that game. Michael Vick and the Jets that very same year, the Browns a week later from the Tampa Bay game. They played down to their competition. And, Vito, you mentioned the Denver Broncos. When they play teams like the Broncos that are very good teams, they play up to that competition, and they rise up. So I do not know why men at this level could not get up more for the games that they should go ahead and roll in. You know, the New England Patriots, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat. 
And for some reason, the Baltimore Ravens beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. For some reason, I don't know why the Pittsburgh Steelers cannot do that. And it seems like they've been doing it more and more in the last few years. And it completely befuddles me. That game was, I understand the injuries, and I agree that they were a little bit of a factor, but the offense lost that game. Jeff, you mentioned last week that if you gave up, if, uh, you gave up 16 points, which the Steelers defense was averaging, that the, uh, the Steelers should be beating that every single time. They got three points. Roethlisberger, looked one, that was one of the worst performances I have ever seen from Ben Roethlisberger. That team was playing uninspired football, and I believe, like I said, that they, they were living up to their hype, but on the other side, the Philadelphia Eagles looked and said, hey, wait a second, what about us? You know, everyone's saying we're going to lose. You know, they didn't go in. They played up to their competition and far surpassed it and beat the living daylights out of us. And that was the worst loss since 1989, a loss that I remember, 42 to 10, against Cincinnati in 1989. That was just, I mean, but this was far worse than that because that team back then with Bubby Brister was inferior to this team. This team had no business losing like that. You know, I know it's a loss that you can afford to take, but what concerns me is the problems that might just fester if you don't get them under control. What do you think about that, Vito? I agree with everything you guys are saying, and I think we, we realize now that we have some weaknesses on the defense. We knew that. And the other problem is not having a pass rush is definitely hurting us because if you remember last year we were getting sacks and things were going good. This year it seems that we're having a tough time even manufacturing those sacks. The first two weeks, I guess, we did well just playing cover and doing the things we did. Yesterday, like you said, everybody looked like they were out of whack. They were just missing a tackle. They was, well, they were late to the tackle, and then the injuries. I don't understand. Everybody got hurt so quick. It's amazing. But um, you know what, Jeff? I'm scratching my head because I don't know what next weekend brings, you know, because we have – a tough game against Kansas City. That's a game that we should be able to handle them because, you know, that's a team that's a good team. We should be able to play up to that team, and then we face the Jets the week after. So let's see what we get. Um, if we do not get good performances in the next few weeks, then I guess we have something to worry about. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule, the way that it's panning out. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they're very, you know, you, you, if you're going to, you know, sign your name to the 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 petition that they play down to their level of competition, that shouldn't be an issue coming up. Like you said, you have the the Chiefs, the Jets, the Patriots, the Ravens, all on the docket coming up. Very big games, very important. Should not be a letdown game. We'll see what they're made of. Um, But, yeah, you're right. A lot of issues. Vigo, as always, we thank you for the phone call, my friend. Thanks. Have a great evening. You too. All right, phone lines are open. If people want to call in, 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. If you want to call in and be a part of the show. Vito brought up a good point, Brian, I wanted to talk to you about. I think that in the the first two weeks of the regular season, a lot of fans were looking at the the victories, and they were saying, like I I said last week, if you don't sack the quarterback and you only give up 16 points, you trust your offense to win the game for you. I think now, after you watch what a rookie, now Carson Wentz, I I call him a rookie. That's not a derogatory comment towards him. He played very inspired football. He looked like a veteran. Um, What I'm trying to say is, is essentially, 
that if you see how his he's very mobile and kind of very much like Alex Smith is coming to town on Sunday night, you see what he was able to do because the Steelers could not get near him. I think they might have had three quarterback hits in the game. I want to say two of those might have been flagged for personal fouls. Uh, the Steelers' pass rush, Lance Williams and I talked about it on the standard as the standard last week. If you're going to gauge that on a scale from 0 to 10 in terms of how concerned are you, one being not concerned, 10 being, okay, it's like DEFCON 5, so to speak, I think that you're approaching a 9 or a 10 at this point. You've had one sack in three games. That one sack was Andy Dalton scrambling and not getting back to the line of scrimmage. They have not gotten pressure on the quarterback, and here's what concerns me even more. And Mike Tomlin did make this comment. I was glad he did. He, he said that this loss is as much on the coaches as it is on the players. And Keith Butler thought, well, I'm just going to do the same thing we've been doing. We're not going to put a lot of pressure. We're going to drop back into zones. And Carson Wentz ate him alive. And you can only imagine what some of these other quarterbacks are going to be able to do that are on the schedule. How concerned are you? Because I, I don't know how – I don't know what your approach was last week or the week prior – but after watching the game on Sunday, how concerned are you now for the, the pressure on the opposing quarterbacks and the overall sack total? I'm very concerned. And I was uh, among those things. And I said it last week. I went on record of saying, and I was wrong, but maybe I was right. I said this is a scheme thing, and they're probably going to come after Wentz more. Now, it looked like they were, they were trying to go ahead and uh, – and come after him, but they just couldn't get it done. That was that game was uh, so well mastered and put together by um, both sides of the ball with the Eagles um, on offense and defense. But you know what? It's just, I mean, I'm concerned because they can fall into the very same trap this week. But look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They're the Philadelphia Eagles of the Midwest. And the reason I say that is, I mean, sure, they're coached by Andy Reid, the former Eagles coach, but where was Doug Peterson last year, head coach of the Eagles? He was in Kansas City, and this is his offense that he had in Kansas City. This is why he's a head coach, because this was his exact same offense, run by uh, Alex Smith, which no one's ever going to put him in the Hall of Fame, but he is, he's very workmanlike, and he can beat you. And he, he showed it last year. And he also has the tight end, that the Eagles did not have yesterday because of injury. Travis Kelsey's there. They didn't have a back hurt yesterday, and they didn't beat them with a tight end. They beat them up and down the field on offense, and it was just that could happen again because you're facing the exact same thing. So if Keith Butler can't come up with a scheme to adjust to this and keep on going with, okay, this has been working, and uh, we're just going to lay back and uh, try to defend the pass and not rush the passer, then it's not going to work. It worked the first couple of weeks, but these, there's 31 other teams with coordinators that know how to look at tape. They look at film, and they know how to get ready for you. So if you do not come up with something new each week, then you're not going to win a game. You, this is pivotal this week. Because if you go 2-2, two and two, then you're just a run-of-the-mill team and you're searching for answers. If you have a big win at home against a pretty good team, a team that was in the playoffs last year, then you're three and one, and you're back on track, and you're continuing to fix what ails you. But you have to continue to go after the problems. And so far, 
they just let it go. They're like, well, it's been working. We're going to let it go. Now you can't do it anymore, Jeff. Well, yeah, and, and the sad thing is, is that when you look at the roster, you look at the depth chart, especially on the defensive side with the injuries that they've suffered uh, throughout the, the game on Sunday, you wonder if the answer is even on the team. Because if you're going to find someone to rush the passer, unless they're going to devote themselves to going back to the more natural 3-4 defense, they have run on the specific sub-packages, nickel and dime, with regularity throughout the first three games. And when you do that, you're taking some of those natural edge rushers off the field. If I'm Keith Butler and I have to devote a plan to getting to Alex Smith or at least coning him in and not letting him use his legs to beat us, I'm going to go back to more of the 3-4 look. I'm going to go back to having hopefully someone like Arthur Notes and James Harrison opposite, opposite him on the outside allow – uh, Cam Hayward and Stefan to a, get Javon Hargrave on the field with some type of regularity and really show what exactly this team can do because in terms of getting pressure on the quarterback, because I think it's pretty clear at this point, sitting back is not going to work, okay? So the defense has issues, and it starts with injuries. It goes on to scheme, uh, everything, a lot of issues. Offensively, well, let's be honest. The offense hasn't had that their mojo. Even in week one, remember how slow they came out. They had to come from behind in week one. Even in week two, they didn't look that great in the early portions or any part of that game. I'm an offensive guy. I like to watch the offensive side of the football. I'm waiting for the Steelers' offense to finally gel. We've seen it in the past. Sometimes it takes a few games. Sometimes it takes Todd Haley some time as well to actually get into rhythm, find out what's going to work, what, you know, they have those explosive games, and you're waiting to see when that's going to happen. I still don't think they've had that yet. And they get a huge piece of the puzzle back next week, and that's Le'Veon Bell. The one thing I saw in the game Sunday that reminded me of 2014 was that when Ben Roethlisberger was in trouble in 2014, he went to one player and one player only, and that was Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell always found his way into the flat, into that safety valve position, and when he had the ball in his hands, he was almost guaranteed to make one guy miss, and he's going to pick up four or more yards, and it kept the ball moving. Roethlisberger was under duress and had nowhere to go with the football. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to help them probably more as a pass catcher than as a runner of the football because D'Angelo Williams has done a tremendous job. Okay, no one's taking that away from him, but no one's going to say that he is even close to the receiver that Le'Veon Bell is. Now, is Le'Veon Bell going to answer all the questions for the Steelers' offense? No. Is he going to add wrinkles that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have to try to figure out what to do? Yes, absolutely. So I think that Le'Veon Bell coming back to the team is, is kind of coming back at just the right time. Um, I, I think that if they can use him and he stays healthy, then this offense could certainly get back on track. What are your thoughts on the offense? And not so much for the game this Sunday, although that is the next game, but moving forward. Well, I agree with you completely on Le'Veon Bell coming back. That is the huge piece of the puzzle that they're missing. He is He's the uh, engine that could for that team. He's the guy that uh, makes everything going when uh, everything go when nothing is open downfield, and you you definitely have to account for him. Sure, D'Angelo Williams could catch a ball, but not like Le'Veon Bell. I mean, when D'Angelo Williams in the Cincinnati game was out wide, I remember going, hey, D'Angelo's out wide. You knew the ball wasn't going to him. 
when Le'Veon Bell's out wide, you know the ball has a possibility of going in his direction. He is the one the one running back right now that could actually be converted to a wide receiver. Well, you're never going to do that, but he's very Marshall Falk-like. In, uh, he's the one guy that, that uh, seems like Marshall um, all these years later. He's the guy that could go wide, and he's going to get a lot of yards. That's why he was the all-purpose yard leader just a couple years ago, and, and he's the team single-season leader in all-purpose yards um, for something he did two years ago. He's that dynamic. Ben, I, I don't know what his problem was the other night. It just seemed like he was completely befuddled, confused. Um, I really think that drop from Marcus Wheaton took the wind out of their sails. Now, I mean, if Vito was right, you know, that shouldn't, uh, that shouldn't be an excuse for the, the other three-and-a-half quarters, but that gave, that gave the Eagles pause to say, hey, we're going to do this. And uh, we just stopped them from a great six-and-a-half-minute drive. And so, you know, they were able to go ahead and do that. Why Pittsburgh did change things? And they didn't seem to change anything the entire game. The, the thing I would think they would be doing is making adjustments at halftime, making adjustments in-game. And it seemed like they had a script, and they were just going by the script. And by the time the uh, you knew the game was over in the third quarter, and it seemed like uh, they thought the game was over too. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Yeah, that that's, that was a really disheartening aspect of the game for me. Um, you know, whether you play the game or whether you coach the game or even coach any sport, and I coach a, a different sport altogether, the high school varsity level, when you see your team, and, and everyone that's coached for any significant amount of time has had these type of games, uh, these type of games where nothing goes right, where honestly you're looking at a team that gives up midway through the game. And it is a very helpless feeling on the sideline. You could give your greatest new Rockney speech. You could try to inspire them like Lou Holtz. You could get fired up like Bill Cowher used to. And sometimes it just does nothing. And that's a sad thing. Now, uh, callers, I guess I should stop right now and say that, you know, a lot of times, I told Brian this before the show, when, when there's a bad loss, a lot of times people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to rehash it. They want to move on. I get that. But if you do want to talk about it, you can. Uh, the phone number is 347-850-8581. Again, 347-850-8581. Or maybe people are just watching the garbage that's on TV, and that is the presidential debate. Uh, but I digress. Um, we will um, 
I did want to talk about one thing, and that is you, know, you mentioned game planning. Uh, you mentioned uh, what to do. Are you the type, Brian, that would say, okay, you're the coach, you're Mike Tomlin, and Mike Tomlin is looking at how his team performed in that 34-3 to loss. You go into the meeting room today. Do you take the tape and say, you know what, I'm burning it. We don't need to watch it. There's no need to watch it. We're not going to learn anything from it. We got our butts kicked up and down the field. We're going to just scrap it, and we're focused on Kansas City. We start prepping for Kansas City. How do you, as a coach, handle the game from a prep standpoint moving into next week? Yeah, I burn it, and I say, gentlemen, let's go back to basics. You know what you did wrong. I mean, I don't have to show you to know what you did wrong. If that's a player worth their salt, then they had trouble sleeping last night. And I have a feeling that 53 guys had trouble sleeping last night because they were embarrassed. I mean, you saw Ben's comments. He was embarrassed. And so, I mean, you've got to move forward and focus completely on Kansas City because nothing that they do is going to change that Philadelphia game. It is in the history books. And the mark of this team how you're going to measure this team for the rest of 2016 is how they respond to this game. Now, I was going to say earlier, you know, the silver lining here is there's no silver lining. I mean, I mean, there's nothing. But here's the thing. You take this game and you just circle it on the calendar in a big red circle and you just remember it. In fact, the only thing I would do, you want to burn the tape, but I want to get the headline from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette from anything, print it out in big letters, put it prominently in the locker room so they can see it. Because that, we always talk about uh, billboard material all the time, bulletin board material. You know, if I saw that, I'll remember what I did wrong and how I never want to feel that way again. And I tell my kids that. When they do something wrong, I'm like, look, it's over. However, you never want to feel this way again. So you go ahead and you make adjustments based on that. So, I mean, I know it works different for a nine- and a seven-year-old, but you know, these guys, this is their season right here. In week four, it's their season. That sounds crazy. It sounds dramatic. But this is where you either go to 500 or you go back to 750 and you start rolling again. You rework it. I feel that they were outcoached. I thought Jim Schwartz, if there was a if there was a game ball for coaches, I'm sure he got a, a game ball for Philadelphia. That that defense was so prepared for a very high scoring team. And on the other hand, a guy that I laud all the time, Keith Butler, he was he was a definite goat because they didn't make adjustments. And I know I said that before. I just think you move on, but you remember. And the other thing I want to bring up about the defense, you mentioned earlier, Jeff, the fact that, you know, is the answer on the team? Well, the answer has to be on the team. And the reason I say that is because in 2015, this was the third-ranked sack team in the league with 48 sacks. Who is gone from that defense? Sean Spence? I mean, if you put Sean Spence on the team, is he going to get you those 48 sacks back? Jeff, let me ask you a question. Do you have a matchbook in your house? Do you have matches? I do, yeah. Okay, you can take out a match right now, like the old school small one from a matchbook, 
you could take that match out and you could write the Steeler sack leaders on it. It's one. If you could get Arthur Motes on there, that's how very little. After three games, I've never seen anything that dismal. And I've been watching this team a long time. It's, these guys were all on this team last year. They were rushing the passer. This is on Keith Butler. You, when you have a guy like James Harrison at his age, at age 38, with the fastest motor on the team, the guy that's going after the passer more than anybody, that's a problem. These guys are there. Now, I know Bud Dupree's injured. I know we'll see him in maybe three to four weeks. But there's other guys that could pick up the slack. Now, I mentioned that there was no silver lining. I think I, I found a little bit of a silver lining. Anthony Chicolo, I want to see him more because he almost had a huge sack. And uh, he unleashed that guy. He has the skills. There's guys. Jarvis Jones, unleash him. If you unleash him, he, he has the potential to get to the quarterback a whole lot more. Just let these guys go. You know, I, you have the, 31, the 31st ranked pass defense right now by letting him hang back. So what's going to change? It's not going to change anything. If you rush the passer, you're still going to have the 31st ranked, ranked defense, and uh, those defensive backs stop some people. They're going to stop. They're stopping the same amount of people by keeping them back. Ross Cockrell is a good player. Let him go. Let, but rush the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it's time now. It's just time. Yeah, and, and you might see that change this Sunday. But the one area I disagree with you, I agree um, as a coach, <clears throat> when you go into that room, and I've done this before, uh, where you get slaughtered and you just say, you know, we're not watching it. There's no need to watch it. We're going to move on. I agree with you on that. Um, I'm sure there will be players that will watch it individually. There might even be position coaches that do. Uh, but still, I disagree with you saying that the season is on the line in week four. Um, even if they do drop the game to Kansas City, it, to me it's, it's, it's more about how do they play. If it's a repeat of week three, <clears throat> excuse me, then yes, the sky might be falling, to, to use that, that, that reference. But ultimately, if the Steelers play a great game and the Kansas City Chiefs win a close game, I'm not about to say that the season's over. Uh, that this team could potentially have – enough players coming back later in the season that if a two-and-two start is not the end of the world. Like you said, Bud Dupree, maybe Sinclair's Golson, maybe Ladarius Green. Um, a lot of these players might be returning, not to mention Roosevelt Nix should be back possibly next week. Cody Wallace could be rejoining the team next week. And people might say, well, who cares about Cody Wallace? Well, if Ramon Foster can't play, Cody Wallace would be a left guard, and he's more of a road grader in terms of getting the – running game going could make a difference. So I, I agree with all that you said. I agree with the fact that the team needs to have a generated, generated pass rush with the players that they have. They're not going to go out and get anybody that's going to be a miracle elixir to that issue. But at the same time, I also understand that I don't think that this game is a make-or-break game in the season. Could it be a very pivotal game in terms of conference positioning, playoff standings, um, the, even the, the momentum gaining going into the next week against the Jets, absolutely. We all saw last year in 2015 the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead turned out to be a very important game. That was a tiebreaker. They had the tiebreaker advantage because they beat Landry Jones 
uh, in Kansas City. So I don't know if you have a rebuttal to that, but I just don't I just don't buy that in week four it could make or break a season when you have sixteen games to be played. You know, I you know, what you said was very wise and and I see where you're coming from. But let me break it down a little bit for you, Jeff. Four games a quarter of the season will be over next week. If you're two and two and you times that by four, you get eight and eight. That means to go ahead and be an eleven and five team, which is probably going to uh a, which could probably win the division for you or at least get a wild card. So you're not scrapping and, you know, begging for the Bills to beat the Jets in the last game of the season and uh, just hoping and praying and get a miracle. Um, if you want to decide your own fate, you want to start out three and one because the difference between two and two times four and eight and eight and three and one times four is 12 and four. And that's four games. Now they're not going to go three and one, three and one, three and one, and three and one, but that allows you to get off to that good start to uh, mix in a two-and-two, two, a three-and-one, and, and a, another three-and-one or another two-and-two and, two and still be okay. You just don't want to be a middle-of-the-pack team after the first quarter of the season because then it starts getting in your head that, okay, some complacency starts uh, getting in, and then you're playing on your heels and you're, you're, trying to, you're starting to scratch and claw, and then a team that somehow – for somehow pull stuff out of their butt every single week, like the Baltimore Ravens, starts gaining on you and gaining on you. And if they keep doing what they're doing, and I know their schedule is going to get tougher, but then they start to get a, diff, a distance between the two. They start getting confidence. You start playing on your heels. Then you, you have to worry about other factors. So that's why I think it's a I mean, I said pivotal game. That's why I think it's a crucial game. It's not going – if they go to 2-2, two and two, season's not over, but it's just going to be a whole lot tougher. That's why I think this game is so huge. But I mentioned the last couple of weeks that I think this is a very special team. There's something about this team, and I feel that they can rebound next week. And if you look at history, the last time that they played in Philadelphia – they lost 15 to 6. 15 to 6. Ben Roethlisberger was sacked nine times. That was the third week of the season. They went on to win the Super Bowl that season. Now, that was such a demoralizing game in 2008. I remember feeling pretty much the same way I feel now um, back, back then, but they were able to just rebound from it. And I feel they can here, but this game for me is – so huge. I, it can make such a big difference in their heads, Jeff. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. This could be a huge momentum swing. This could be a great pick-me-up game after a dismal loss. I think that if there's ever going to be a game so far in the first quarter that they're going to have 100% of their attention, it's going to be this one. Um, you think about the Washington game, they were heavily favored. You think about the Cincinnati game, favored. Eagles, we saw what happened there. I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have their head on tight. They're going to be focused, and they're going to put their best effort out there and let's see if it's good enough to win. Now, we're not getting any other callers, and that's fine. Uh, Brian, now is your chance to kind of give me your final thought on the the game yesterday, the season, the way it's going. Wrap it up for us, and that will be my final thought before we send it off. 
Well, you know, Jeff, as demoralizing as that game is, you're not going to win 16 games in a season. Um, it's just not going to happen. You said at the beginning that this is a loss that you can afford to give away. Yes, it is, but not in the manner that they did. So I think this team needs to do some soul-searching. Even though it's one loss, just find out who you are. Find out. Band together from this. And I really feel they're going to. That game, I want to completely forget about it. In fact, I have been trying to block it out all day. And it just keeps coming back. So if I could learn from it, if I'm going to, I'm a superstitious guy, so I'm going to be doing different things next week before the game. In fact, I'm probably burning my jersey that I wore yesterday just because I'm that superstitious because that game brought the loss and I affect, I affect the fortunes of 53 men on a football field and an entire coaching staff. That's how, <laughs> that's how egotistical I must be. But no, seriously, if this team could go ahead and learn from it and say, yeah, I don't want to feel like this anymore, and we are that good, and we are every bit as good as you thought we were two weeks ago or a week ago, and we're every bit as good going forward, that this is just a bad game. This could be an aberration. I'm just hoping that they all look at it and say, okay, let's make the necessary adjustments, and if we make those necessary adjustments, there is no single reason we should lose this game. If they go in with that mentality and play like that and play every single week of this season with the ferocity and with that attitude that they've got to go in and every single team is the Denver Broncos, is the New England Patriots, and treat the Cleveland Browns like that and treat a a team that is uh, performing poorly like that, then they are going to be just fine. So that game's over. I'm glad to see it over. I thought it was a trap game. I was trying to be optimistic. But I think this being at home this week is going to change, change things completely. If this game was in Kansas City, I, might, I probably wouldn't even watch it because they, they struggle in places like Kansas City. They struggle places like Philadelphia. Um, they seem to do it all the time. But I think against – with a, uh, a fired-up home crowd in the backdrop, they are going to go ahead and be who we thought they were, if I could go ahead and bring up the quote from the, uh, the late Denny Green. And I think you're going to see the real Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're going to see the real 2016 in this game, and I think this game is going to shape the fortunes. I'm not saying it's going to be over if they lose. I just think it's going to really shape the way the season goes. Yeah, absolutely. That was a good final thought. I'll give you mine before we call it an evening. Uh, I will say this. I think that looking back on this football game, uh, it's easy to start reading the websites and the newspaper clippings and listening and buying into the hype about yourselves. Uh, It's easy to see, well, their favorites to be uh, representing the AFC in Super Bowl 51. It's easy to look at the power rankings and see your team sitting atop. Uh, It's easy to, to fall into that trap, and I think that, if anything, the Pittsburgh Steelers received an unbelievable slice of humble pie at, at, by Carson Wentz and company in Philadelphia on Sunday. It's going to be interesting to see if the Pittsburgh Steelers can rebound from this. And like you mentioned, for all those reasons, it's very, very important. But this team is close. It's a very good locker room, a lot of good leadership in that locker room. Getting a guy like Lady on Bell back is going to help them, not only from 
a physical on-field presence, but also in the locker room. He's a guy that a lot of players like. They like having him around. Him being able to be around now is going to be a huge boost for this team. I fully expect them to bounce back. I do think this game, the week three loss, was an aberration and not an omen and a sign of things to come. So we'll see if that happens. But anyways, people didn't really want to talk about the game, and that's fine. Totally get it. We thank you for your time, Brian. I thank you for your time. We'll see you next well, it'll be next Monday night uh, after the Sunday night game against the Kansas City Chiefs at Heinz Field on Sunday Night Football. Make sure you check out Brian's show, Facts or Fiction, on Tuesday night as well as my show, The Standard is the Standard, on Wednesday night with Lance Williams as we break down the upcoming game against the Kansas City Chiefs and try to move on past this week's three loss. We thank you for listening. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. He's Brian Anthony Davis. We'll see you. Bye. Good night. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.